Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Are you good this morning? Come on, thank you, worship team. Come on, can we thank our worship team? Don't they always do an awesome job? They always do an awesome job for us. Well, if you got your Bibles with you, we're going to turn to uh, one passage as we get started here, and we'll start there. In First uh, John chapter 3 and verse 8, just a real simple verse to start with this morning. First John 3 and verse 8 in the New King James Version, and we're going to start this morning talking about the resurrection. Notice what it says here. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of of the devil. Oh, y'all came ready to respond this morning. I must be in the right church today. Okay. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So uh, if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is the undoing of death. The undoing of death. Yeah, I'm just rubbing it in the devil's face today. I just, I just decided I was going to go there. Uh, but this morning we want to talk about the resurrection and what it means for us today and uh, what it means when Jesus came, the Son of God, was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. But before we get there into what Jesus did, we got to understand how we got here in the first place. We got to understand how we got to the place we are today in this world. And we got to understand that first before we understand the significance of why Jesus came and he died and he was resurrected and what that means for us today. Because it means something for us today in 2023, but we got to understand how we got here. Of course, your Bible says in Genesis there was a garden. That garden was called Eden, which the word Eden in the Hebrew language means a place of delight and perfection, a place of a pleasure, a place of paradise, that, that God was in that garden with man and woman. And there was, there was no sin, there was no brokenness, there was no hurting, there was no pain, there was no dysfunction, there was no disease, there was nothing wrong. There was complete beauty in that place of the garden. All the trees, all the plants... The, the streams, uh, the mountains, the animals, everyone got along perfectly and there was nothing but perfection and delight in that garden. Now that's where it started. That's God's original plan. Now you need to know this because it's important because some people are like, well, why is the world the way it is today? Well, you got to understand, you got to go back to Genesis to see God's original plan and will for this planet. And if you look at the original plan, it does not involve war, does not involve disease, does not involve divorce, does not involve depression, does not involve any kind of pain or suffering we experience. That was not God's original intent. God's original intent and will was to be in a place of delight and paradise and perfection and peace. But something happened to cause this world to be the way it is today. Are you with me? And so we see that in the garden, this place of delight, God and man were there together and there was unbroken relationship. The Bible says in a poetic way that man and God walked together in the garden. 
The Garden of Eden wasn't the Garden of Eden just because it was a perfect place. It was the Garden of Eden because God's presence was there. And God's presence was there unbroken in fellowship and relationship with mankind. That's why it was perfection. That's why it was paradise. That's why it was a place of peace and delight because God and man were perfectly in harmony with one another. That's why it was Eden. It wasn't just about a place. It was about the person and that person was God. But in your Bible, it tells you what happened. How did we get here to the place we are today? There was a serpent. The serpent, also known as in the Bible, there's many names for him. The devil or Satan, the evil one. He came into the garden and he immediately tried to stop what God was doing. And we know what happened from there that Adam and Eve were deceived. And they ate of the fruit and they disobeyed God. Because God had given them a place of authority and dominion on the earth, your Bible says in Genesis. And so they were in charge of this earth to do what they wanted with it. And they chose wrong. They chose disobedience. And when they did that, they opened the door to evil. They opened the door to pain and suffering. They opened the door to all the pain we experience in this world today. That we've been been experiencing for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Because their disobedience opened the door and gave permission for the evil one to come into this earth. To separate them from God. To bring all the pain and suffering and brokenness. We experience and wonder why we're experiencing it. It started in the garden. Every type of brokenness you experience, all the destruction, all the things we experience in this life that is not the will of God is because of that door had been opened by the evil one. But in the very few chapters of Genesis, there's the first what we would call a messianic prophecy about what God would do to fix the situation. And so we see this, and we're going to turn here. It's Genesis 3 and verse 15. It says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Now, I realize the language there, uh, sometimes we don't understand that in English. But in the context, God is speaking to the serpent or the devil, Satan, the evil one, whatever you want to call him. And this is the first time he gives a messianic prophecy saying, I'm going to send one that's going to come later and he's going to strike your head, but you're going to strike his heel. Now, the language we don't understand fully, but if you understand the context of the Hebrew language, you understand that in Hebrew, when you talk about their head, that means their authority. That means their dominion. That means their place of power. So he wasn't saying, I'm just going to punch you in the head. I mean, now it hurt too, but it meant more than I'm just going to hit you in the head, Satan. It meant I'm going to send someone born of a woman, it says prophetically. I'm going to send someone, and when he comes, he's going to hit you in your head. That means he's going to take back the authority and dominion and power that you got from Adam in the garden. He's going to take all that back, all that authority, all that dominion, all that power that you have tried to use against mankind since Genesis. He's going to come. Come and strike your head. Take back what belongs to him. 
but you're going to strike his heel. And of course, we know that happened prophetically on the cross, that Jesus was wounded for us. He was bruised for us so that he could strike the serpent's head, take back our dominion, our authority, and take away his power. Or it says in 1 John 3, 8, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now let's read what it says in 1 John 3, 8 again, but in the Amplified. I love this. It says the reason the son of God was made manifest or visible was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. The son of God was made manifest to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. One commentator in this exact passage says the same exact thing. It says in Genesis 3 verse 15, it says, This is the bruising and crushing of the serpent's head. This passage right here. The Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. This word destroy, it means a lot of things. The Amplified brings out some of those meanings, but it means to loose. It means to release, to unbind, to break up, to do away with. It means this word destroy in the original language to undo, to cause to come to an end, to cause to become to nothing, to cause to put to an end to, to defeat and destroy and undo all the devil has done. All that's in that one word destroy in the Greek language. The Son of God, though, he came and was manifested not so we could just come to church on Easter. You with me? Not to just cry about his resurrection, which I get emotional too, but to celebrate his resurrection because the resurrection means that the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. He was manifested that we are loosed and released from the Satan's bondage, Satan's captivity, everything that the devil has tried to do to us. The Son of God has unbound us and broken us up with the enemy by his manifesting on earth, living, dying, and rising again to undo all that the enemy has done. We need to understand here that Jesus undid all the devil has done. Jesus undid all the devil has done. Sometimes we think that what the devil did to Adam and Eve in the garden and to all mankind is bigger than what Jesus has done for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. But they're not equal. Not even close to equal. But most people, including Christians, talk all about what the devil has done to us instead of making a bigger deal, which we should have, of what Jesus has done for us. Because what Jesus did for us is so much greater than what the devil ever did to us. And Jesus was manifested to undo all that the devil has done to all of us. And we're in the process of him completely undoing every last little bit of it. Now, 
I grew up in church my whole life, all 35 years and nine months of it. And um, so I listened to a lot of Christian music, some good, some horrible. <laughs> you know, in the early days of Christian music, it was special. It was pretty special. There's a lot of great Christian music now. They got everything. Uh, you can listen to worship, rap, rock, metal, whatever. They got Christian versions of it, and it's good. It's really quality. But back in the day, there was only a few choices. But when I'm thinking about this, because a lot of times we put what the devil did in Adam on the same level as what Jesus did for us in the resurrection, and we think that that's like the same, and it's not, or it's equal. But, but there was a person I used to listen to, and some of you know who he is, Carmen. He, that's all I need to say. He doesn't even have a last name, doesn't have a middle name, just has a name. You know, if you're like Prince or Carmen, I mean, if you just got one name, then you're doing something in the music world. But Carmen used to have a song called The Champion. It was like an illustrated message. In the 80s and 90s, it was thriving. It was popping. And uh, it was moving. And it was like a boxing match between the devil and Jesus. And it went round after round after round after round. And, you know, the devil punches and Jesus punches. And there's this whole narrated story about the devil and Jesus going back and forth. That's not what it was really like. It wasn't. I mean, just to let you know that, I know Christian music people sing about it and write about it and say, this happened this way, but it wasn't like that at all. Uh, you got to trust me, it was not like that at all. When Jesus decided to take a punch and to hit back, it was over. It was one punch to the head, completely knocked out. They're not equal fighters in the ring. They're not the same. What the devil did to us in the garden is not the same as what Jesus did for us in the resurrection. It's not equal. It's so lopsided it's not even funny. So we, we got to, sometimes we bring our tradition into what we believe about God or the Bible or what Jesus has done, and we got to stop that. There wasn't rounds and rounds and rounds of fighting between the devil and Jesus. No, it was one punch to the head, and he was done. He took back his authority, his dominion, his power, and the Son of God was manifested to undo all that the devil has done. But they're not equal. They're completely different. Let me give you a few verses I want to read to you out of Romans where it says the same exact thing. Romans 5 and verse 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that God, all people could see how sinful they were, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us a right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now let's read this in the message translation because I love the way it just says it so plain. Here it is in a nutshell. You ready for this? 
Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. All right, we can go home. They just said it. That's the way it is. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong, but one man said yes to God and put many in the right. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers, but sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with this aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death. And that's not the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, inviting us into life, a life that goes on and on, a world without end. Now, how is that possible? Because the Son of God was manifested to undo and destroy all the works of the devil. It's not a competition. They're not equals. What Jesus did is so much greater than what the devil has ever done to any of us. What Jesus accomplished for us is so much greater than what happened in the garden with Adam. What Jesus did for us at the resurrection is so greater. His grace is so much stronger. His his power is so much greater. His forgiveness is so much deeper. There is no comparison to what the devil did to us and what Jesus has done for us in the resurrection. Are you with me today? But we are not just someone who has been redeemed It's a biblical word for bought back, made right, but we have been restored to new. A lot of people go around hanging their head, even after they've received salvation, acting like, oh, I'm just just an old sinner, saved by grace. No, if you're saved, you were a sinner, but you're not one anymore. Now, you still sin, but you're not a sinner because Jesus has made you a new person. And the Bible says you're not a sinner. You're a saint now. You've been made right with God, and you're a holy, and you're a perfect, and you're a righteous. You might still mess up, but you're not a sinner anymore because he has changed your identity. He has changed your nature. He has made you completely new. How could he do that? Because the Son of God was manifested to undo all the works of the devil. He's made us new. He saved us. We are now called saints in the Bible, not sinners. Some of us still identify with our brokenness and our messed up life. And yeah, apart from God, we are. But if you have received him, you are not broken anymore. You're not messed up anymore. God has made you whole and right and healed and delivered. And we need to identify with what Jesus has done for us. We're not a patched up version of our older self. We are a completely new person. Now either, either what Jesus did is greater or it's not. Because if it's not greater, then we're just the same old people still trying to struggle. But it's so much greater, and not only greater, but he went back and he undid all the devil has done to us since the beginning. Now, we're going to go deeper in that in a second. But let me give you another verse, because we're not just an old version of ourselves. We are a completely new person. 
a new identity, a new nature. We're not just sinners are broken anymore. We are saved and healed and delivered because what Jesus did for us is so much greater. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you've received Christ, notice you're not the same old version of yourself, just a little bit better. God just put a little makeup on you or, or gave you a facelift. No. You're a completely different person. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new person. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. If we're in Christ, because what he did is so much greater than what the devil has ever done to us, we are new. A new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. That's who you are if you've received Jesus, and that's what he wants to do. Not just make you a little bit better of a person. Not just kind of patch you up and put a band-aid on the issues of your life, but completely heal you, restore you, deliver you, save you from the inside out. And he has the power to do it. Because what Jesus did for us is greater than what the devil has done to us. The Son of God was manifested to undo all the works of the devil. Now, let's talk about that word undo a little bit more. In your Bible, because of what Jesus has done, the Bible says in Romans 8, 37. Well, let's just read it for a second. Because of what Jesus has done at the resurrection, that he has made all of us, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So we're not only saved and we're new, but we are not those who are still living under the authority of the enemy anymore. We're not those who have to listen to what the devil tells us to do. We don't have that same power dominating us anymore. Why? Because when Jesus resurrected, not only did he defeat the enemy, but he destroyed and undid all the works that he has done to us and made us more than conquerors now we're still talking about undo because that word more than conquerors is attached to the word undo you realize in ancient times when people would take over um, a city or a country in roman times or even in the greeks that when they would take over a place they would not only capture people and they would bring them back to their hometown, but they would go and they would put a new person in charge in that area. But when they would capture the leaders of that place, they would take them through the streets in chains. Your Bible says in Colossians that Jesus spoiled all principalities and powers, all demons all devils, all of the spiritual realm, and made a public show of them openly to their defeat. But there's something else that happened when a country or a nation would take over another group of people in ancient times. And they wouldn't just conquer them, but they would be more than 
conquerors. And this is what would take place when they would go there. They wouldn't just beat them. They would take their leaders through the streets and show that they were captive now. And they were no longer in authority. No longer in dominion. So all the townspeople could stop being afraid of their old leader that was ruling them or dominating them. Because now their leader was under a different authority. But they would take it one step further if they were more than conquerors. And this goes with the word, the Son of God came to undo all that the devil has done. They would take down their statues. They would take down their buildings. They would rename stuff in those cities. They would burn their books. They would erase their history. Why? Like they never even existed. The Son of God was manifested to undo all the works of the devil. When Jesus did what he did, he took down the statues of your past. Come on now. He took down the buildings. He erased the history. And he's in the process for all of us undoing all the history that the devil has done to us. That makes us not just conquerors, but more than conquerors. Jesus' goal for your life, and I've seen it in my life, and I've seen it in many others' life. I've seen what God has done through the resurrection in people's lives. And you would never know the addiction that they experienced. And you would never know the divorce they went through. And you would never know that they used to cut themselves. And you would never know the pain and the trauma that they experienced. And you would never know their history and their past. Why? Because when they got into Christ they became a new person and God has so healed them and delivered them and set them free that he undid all the devil had done and that's not just preacher talk I know testimony after testimony after testimony but God doesn't just want to do that in a few people's life he wants that to do that in all of your life that your pain in your past can be erased why because the son of God was manifested to undo all that the enemy has done he wants to tear down the statues of your past and the buildings and burn the books and erase the history that you don't even remember the person you used to be. Come on, are you here with me in this church today? That's what God wants to do in your life, and he can do it. Why? Because the Son of God was manifested to undo all that the devil has done. Stop making what the devil did in your life a bigger deal than what Jesus has done at the resurrection. We got to stop it. There's no comparison. And if we would identify with what Jesus has done for us instead of what the devil did to us, we would start healing. We would start being restored. And God could do that work in your life to completely undo all that the devil has done. Pastor, you don't know my past. No, I don't, but God does, and he can completely undo it. Every last bit of it. Every addiction, every brokenness, every sin, every pain, every abuse, every heartache, every trauma. He can completely undo it by the power of God. And the Son of God was manifested to undo it. To bring it to nothing like it never even happened. 
And the only time you mention it now is just to share your testimony. But there's no pain attached to it anymore because he already healed that. You can just walk around sharing your testimony with people. Why? Because the Son of God was manifested to undo and destroy all the works of the devil. It's true this morning. So if you were more than a conqueror, you would tear down everything in those cities. You would rename it. You would erase their history like they never even existed. That's what Jesus has done through the resurrection to the devil. Jesus undid all the devil has done. He wants you to be so healed, so delivered, so saved, so made new that no one could even imagine your life before it. It can happen. And that's what Jesus wants to do for all of us in here. But ultimately, we're all in the process of Jesus undoing all that the devil has done. Now, for those of us who have received Jesus, we are experiencing, the Bible says, a foretaste of that. We're not in its fullness yet. Foretaste means God's given us an appetizer to the full course comes. He's like, let me give you a little spinach dip before we get to the real food. Let me give you some wings before the real food gets here. And all of us who have received Jesus, we're getting a foretaste of this undoing of all that the devil has done in our lives. We don't see it in all its fullness yet. But the Bible says in the future, in the book of Revelation, that there will be the ultimate undoing of the enemy, that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, that there will be no crying and no dying, no pain, no depression, no sickness, no taxes. Hey, tax season, hello. No hurt, no suffering, no pain. And guess what? There will be no devil there as well. A new heaven, a new earth. And at that time in the future, the undoing of the devil will completely be done. For all eternity. That God has reversed the curse that started in the garden. He has completely undone it to the place that in eternity, in the future, people will bring up the devil and you'll say, who? What did he do? Because it will be like he never even existed. Because the Son of God was manifested to undo all the works of the devil. Now we see part of that undoing right now, but we will see the fullness of it. Everything he started will be completely undone and no record to show of it. No history to be reminded of it. All we will remember is the testimony of what Jesus has done for us. Are you with me today? Let's look at another verse here. Second Timothy one verse nine. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of us this plain by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. 
He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. He broke the power of death. It's the same word used, destroy or loosen or to make of no effect and undo. Jesus has broken the power of death. Let's look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. What we do see is Jesus who was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God for whom and through whom everything was made chose to bring many children into his glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus through his suffering a perfect leader fit to bring them into their salvation. I love this in verse 14 and 15. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son, that's what we're talking about today, the Son of God, also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. Only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set us free, all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. You know that all fear, the root of it, is dying. Do you know that? Every fear you have, it's ultimately about dying. Why are you afraid of being up high? Because you're afraid you're going to fall off and die. Why are you afraid of snakes? Because you're afraid you're going to get bit and you're going to die. Why are you afraid of tight spaces? Because you're afraid you're going to suffocate and die. Why are you afraid? Because you're afraid of death. And that is the way that the devil has controlled all of us from the beginning. It's the fear of death. Because he had the power of death. But it says that Jesus was manifested and he came and he became flesh and blood. He became a human being to break the power of death. To break the power that the devil had. So that we could live a life free of fear. He completely undid that. But I love what it says in verse 14. Can we pull it up here? Hebrews 2.14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power, or destroy the power, or undo the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Leave it up here. Your Bible says that he had it. He had it. Now, he used to have the power of death. For year after year after year after decade after decade. But because of the resurrection. The devil no longer has the power of death. He had it. Now if he doesn't have it. That means someone else does have it. Are you with me? And that's good news for all of us anymore. Because all the devil has now is just threats. And they're empty threats. What's the worst he's going to do to you? Kill you? And when you die, you don't really die. You're still alive. 
and you're alive more than ever. So there's no fear anymore for us as believers in Jesus because he's defeated death and he took away the power that the devil had, which is the fear of dying. But he used to have it, but he doesn't have it anymore. And my Bible tells me who has it now. If you read the first chapter of the book of Revelation, it says Jesus appears to John the Apostle and he says, I am he who was dead and I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of hell, death, and the grave and I'm alive forevermore. <laughs> Jesus took it from the devil and he no longer has it anymore. He had it. And because Jesus has it now, we no longer have to be afraid of the devil. We no longer have to be afraid of sin. We no longer have to be afraid of death. We no longer have to be afraid of any of the threats that the enemy makes because he took back the power from the enemy. And he has undone all that the devil has done in his death, burial, and resurrection. You with me this morning? Brother Daryl, could you come play and we're going to close here. Sin has brought death. Sin has brought consequences, but because of what Jesus has done, we don't have to fear those consequences anymore. He has taken the power and authority away from the devil. And he has undone all that the devil has done. He has been defeated. He has been conquered, and we are victorious because of the resurrection of Jesus. He has completely undone it. Hear me this morning. You no longer have to be afraid of the devil. You don't got to be afraid of death because Jesus put to death, death. That we no longer have to live our lives in fear because we have the resurrection living on the inside of us. I love when it says that we're more than conquerors in Romans 8. It's actually the word hypernukeo. It's where we get the word hyper in Nike. The word Nike means conqueror or victorious one. Jesus didn't just make us a conqueror or victorious one. He made us a hyper. Y'all know what hyper means? Y'all have kids? Anybody? Not just a barely victorious conquering one he made us a over and above greater than not even close like lebron james versus me in basketball we're talking that kind of conquering he has made us a hyper nukeo a someone who has more than conquered this word hyper nukeo means a complete total victory and triumph and that's what jesus did at the cross not just for himself, he did it for all of us. That we have a complete, total victory and triumph over the devil, over sin, over death. And we are victorious because of the resurrection. The Son of God was manifested to destroy and undo all the works of the devil. Isn't that good news this morning? I don't preach myself happy. And I'm preaching a lot shorter than I normally do, too. So you're welcome, by the way. 
Let's read uh, one last passage, John 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Why? Because he destroyed the works of the devil. And yeah, one day our physical body will die, but the real us, which is a spirit, it's not dead. It's alive more than ever. We're just transitioning out of this house to a different house. But the real us will never die. We'll never taste death. We'll never experience death. We go from life to more life because of what Jesus has done. Because he's destroyed the works of the devil. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear anything. Because he took the keys away from the enemy. And gave us new life. Eternal life. No death in it. We go from life to more life. I was thinking this week about, uh, some of you know, Mr. Bob Brown, who was 90 years old, went to heaven this week. And you know what? He didn't experience death. His physical body did. And it was here for 90 years. He lived a good full life. But you know, when he transitioned out of his body into heaven, he went from life to more life. Bob Brown today is more alive than we are here on the earth. He's experiencing more life than we've ever experienced. Why? Because he has received Jesus and there's no death anymore for him. Both in this life and the one to come, there's no death. Because Jesus took our death. He took our pain. He took our suffering. And he broke the power of death and what the devil had. The Son of God was manifested that he might undo all the works that the devil has done. It's true this morning. I know some of you are thinking, man, that sounds like a lot. It sounds too good to be true. It's true. It's real. I've experienced it myself and I know many, many others. Think about all the billions of people around the world that are experiencing that today. Reminded of the life that we have. That we don't got to fear death anymore. We don't got to fear the devil anymore. We don't got to fear consequences anymore because he broke destroyed and undid all that the devil has done. And because of the resurrection, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection in life. Those who believe in me will never die. They'll never experience death. Why? Because he experienced it for us. And he defeated death once and for all at the resurrection. Did you guys get something this morning? Can we pray for a second? Just if we could take a moment just to pray every head bowed and every eye closed if we could first I just want to ask if if you say today hey pastor uh, I, I need that I need to receive Jesus well you 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 can start today with the prayer and you don't stop there but you can start there today and then you need to grow in your relationship with God but to receive what he's done This morning, I just want to ask you if you need that. You say, I need that in my life. I need a new start. I need a fresh start. I need my sins to be forgiven. And I don't want to be afraid of death anymore. I don't want to be afraid of what the devil has for me. I need something new in my life. 
And I want to receive this forgiveness, this grace, this love. I want to experience this healing that you're talking about. If that's you, nobody looking around, and we'll all say this together. But could you just lift your hands for a second just so I can see who we're talking to this morning? If you mean that today, let's just all pray this together. Father, I thank you for sending your son, for him dying for me. I receive him into my life, into my heart. Make me a new person. Change me from the inside out. I thank you that Jesus, you are victorious. You are resurrected. And I receive your resurrection power in my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I just pray over you too right now? Father, I pray over everyone in this church family, everyone that's here this morning. I get in agreement and I bind any demonic powers that have tried to come against your people, any fear that has robbed them of their joy, of their life and I say today Satan you have no authority you have no power anymore you are a defeated foe and I command you take your hands off God's people take your hands off anyone that's struggling this morning whether that be depression or anxiety or physical issues or whatever it would be we command those things to go we command those things to leave we command healing to come because Satan you no longer have power You have been destroyed and you have been undone because of what Jesus has done for us. And Father, I thank you for everyone in here that it's a new day for us. It's a new start. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new in you. And Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you guys receive that today? Can you stand up with me a second? couple quick things that we, as we close. If you did pray today or maybe you just rededicated your life today, you need to go tell somebody your decision you made, your commitment you made. That's important. But also you need to find a good church because you need to grow in what we've talked about today. You need to start understanding your relationship with God. So you need to find a good church. Now this is a good church. I happen to be a little biased. I am the pastor. But there's a lot of good churches in this community. But after you make that commitment, you need a good church so you can grow in your faith. And lastly, I want to mention this. Next week, we're having a baptism. And it's called Baptism Sunday. So if you made that commitment today and you want to get baptized, or maybe you were baptized as a little kid and you're like, I don't even remember it. I think I need to do that again. Next week, you can come. And we're going to have a baptism Sunday. We're going to baptize people in the back. That's the next step to take after you've been saved is to publicly declare in front of other people, I made this commitment and I'm getting baptized. And trust me, there's significance in being baptized publicly to let other people know about your faith. So if you could do that next week and you can sign up on our website or just come next week. Get baptized. Make that commitment publicly. In every step of obedience, watch God move in your life. So next week, Baptism Sunday, I hope to see all of you here. 
We're going to talk about baptism, why it's important in the Bible, but we're going to baptize people. We're going to have a great Sunday. So get baptized next week if uh, you made that commitment today. Are you good this morning? You glad you came to church? I'm glad you were here too. Uh, let's pray and we'll, we'll dismiss and you guys can go get your kids. Hang around. Hang out with the Easter Bunny. Take some pictures. Have a good day. I know your kids are going to be very hyper. <laughs> hyper Nukeo. Hyper Nike. Why? Because they're on a ton of sugar right now. You're welcome for the rest of the day. Because they got so much candy and prizes back there to celebrate Jesus. You are so welcome for that. But we, we want to know that when your kids come to church, they shouldn't endure it. They should enjoy it. So uh, you're welcome for all the candy we gave them. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for today. Thank you for this time in your house. We thank you for all you're doing in this church family and in this community. Father, we thank you for this great day to celebrate your resurrection, celebrate your life, celebrate our victory that you've won for us over death and the grave. And we thank you that we will live with no fear, knowing that you're victorious today. Father, we love you. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your life and your resurrection today. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today.